Hey, what's up, guys? Hope you guys are having a great day today, and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzitti Program, where we talk about financial freedom and economics. So, hope you guys had a great Memorial Weekend. Uh, I know I did. It was kind of a rainy day here in North Texas. Didn't really uh, get out much because of the rain. It pretty much rained all flipping day. But, you know, it was fun. You know, my wife and I, we just hung out with our daughter. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was pretty good. So, I hope you guys had a, a great weekend as well. And, yeah, so, let's go ahead and jump into the topic today. Today, I wanted to get into why the rich get rich and the poor get poor. And, really, the, the topic should be why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Because this is something that's consistently going on all the time. And it really makes a lot of people very angry. And to be completely fair with you, you know, a lot of the reasons why they get angry is because they're constantly struggling. They're always looking at the rich people driving their fancy cars and living in their fancy houses. And they figure, well, what am I doing wrong? You know, I'm working hard, pretty much like my parents have always taught me to work. You know, I'm doing the best I can, and I just can't ever seem to get ahead, and what the heck is wrong? So a lot of times, people end up coming to the conclusion that it must be because the rich people are screwing everybody else. And in reality, this is not always the case, although it does happen. Of course it happens. There are really bad rich people and really bad poor people. You know, I mean, a lot of people seem to think that if you're if you're rich, every person who's rich is basically you know, a jerk and is screwing somebody over and that's just how they got rich. You know, that's legitimately how people think that there is no other way to get rich aside from screwing people over. And again, if you've been listening to this show, I hope you are not one of those people. You know that that's far from the truth. And in reality, what happens is the poor people who believe this kind of ideology, they tend to listen to the people that are that are spewing it, right? A lot of times, this ideology comes from politicians. It comes from, sometimes it even comes from wealthy people themselves. And it's really just really, really corrupt wealthy people and powerful people manipulating the minds of the poor and the ill-educated. And that's really what's going on. These people are poor. They don't have a lot of really highly complex or highly valued skills. So they're constantly working as hard as they can. They never seem like they're getting ahead. They're always struggling. And what ends up happening is that they end up getting really dissatisfied with life. They get really upset by it, thinking that they, they're really, what else can they possibly do? And they end up, in reality, they end up going out there and they end up looking for somebody to listen to. Right. I, th- I think I've said this before, but if you guys haven't heard me say this, then, you know, we're all plugging our USB cords into somebody else. Right. And what I mean by that is imagine your head is a computer. Right. And we all your head has a USB plug in it. And we're always everyone, every human being that exists on this planet is plugging their USB cord from their brain into somebody else's. Okay, I've also heard it called an umbilical cord before, like we're all plugging our umbilical cord into somebody else. I'm really more of a computer guy. I've been building computers since I was in high school. I've been a big computer buff on top of uh, also being a huge video gaming buff too. So in the past, that's, you know, those are my skill sets. I love 
computer games and I love building PCs and stuff like that. And I'm not like, I don't know everything there is to know about it, but generally speaking, I do know a lot and significantly more than the vast majority of people. And in reality, so I guess that would classify me as an expert, huh? <laughs> I guess I could be classified as an expert when it comes to computers, at least when, with, when it comes to building computers. Troubleshooting is more another story. I do have my fair share of experience in that. As you can imagine, when you're building computers, you kind of have to. But um, yeah, I don't particularly find myself to... I mean, I, I'm very knowledgeable about troubleshooting, but I'm not you know, an expert on it type of thing. And and a lot of times what I do is I just do a lot of research and find out, you know, and try the different solutions that exist out there on the web. So that being said, though, you know, uh, these people are plugging their USB ports, their USB plugs into somebody else. Everyone's doing this. And the poor people, they tend to plug their USB port, uh, their USB plugs into somebody else who's going to tell them that the reason they can't get ahead is because of the rich and the wealthy. Now, this is used in many, many, many other ways. This is like the reason they can't get ahead is because of a group, another group of people. We're not really going to get into those you know, social, political topics, but you, you understand where I'm going with that, right? I mean, there's always some reason as to why you can't get ahead, and it's never your fault. And it's always the fault of a group of individuals that is external that can't be controlled so you can just constantly blame this this group till you know till kingdom come you can always blame it on them you never have to take self responsibility for your actions you don't ever have to educate yourself all you have to know is that it's not your fault and that's that's largely what 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 goes on most of the time with the poor com- people now, when I'm saying poor, I'm not referring to people who make very little money. What I'm saying is people who are poor are poor mentally, okay? Being poor is a mindset that we have, and that mindset is, it must not be me, it must be something else. The mindset is, is that, you know, I don't think that far into the future. I only think to, like, maybe the weekend or, you know, something of that nature. The mindset is is I don't spend my money on things I should. I spend my money on things that make me feel good, and largely I just blow it all away. That's the poverty mentality. It's not my fault. I'm a victim. I'm always a victim. And I'm not going to use my money wisely. I'm going to use my money for what I want because I deserve it, because I've been suffering. You see, the poverty mentality is very, very, very full of entitlement. You know, they always think, well, we've had it rough, so we deserve a trip to Disney because we've had a hard time and life has been hard on us. Or we've had it rough, so we deserve a nice BMW or some beautiful, you know, nice car because we've we, we've had it tough and, and stuff. It's like, no, if you can't financially afford it, then you don't deserve it. And if you're going to be putting it on personal loans or credit cards, you're a freaking moron. I'm just going to say it straight up. I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to mince words. If you're going to go on a trip or you're going to buy a car that you can't afford, then you're a freaking moron. I don't care how unfair you think your life is. If you want those things, save the money and use it for that purpose. At least you're not a freaking moron. 
because you saved the money. And now you don't owe anybody anymore. So you're going to become a slave. You're going to go into debt. You're going to be a slave to the lender for a vacation. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then you're going to reduce the amount of consumption that you can do in the future. You can't, you, you're clearly not saving or investing. So let's, I mean, I'm not even going to bother getting into that. But then on top of that, you know, what about a car? A really fancy car? Look, I have no issue with someone owning a fancy car. I really don't. But if you can't afford the fancy car, then you shouldn't buy it. So it, what I mean by affording is if you can't get into a fancy car um, for a relatively decent price, like if you're going to go into debt, at least go into as minimal amount of debt as you possibly can with very, very low payments. That way you can always make extra payments on it and you can pay the car off early. This is something my wife and I have done with every single vehicle we've ever owned. Every car my wife and I have owned, we have always put a, a massive chunk down on the car. So our payments are very, very small. And we've always made extra payments to the car so that we ended up paying the car off early. This is something that we do with pretty much every form of debt that we've ever had. We did this with my wife's student loans as well. You know, it's, and granted, we didn't really, my wife's student loans were a bit of a different situation than mine. She had more help from her, her dad, but that's, that's another story. That being said, why is it that the rich get richer and they are getting richer and the poor are constantly getting poorer? If you want to know the answer to this question, honestly, you need to look no further than the Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of America. The Federal Reserve is a basically a banking cartel that is composed of of high-end CEO executives at all the major banks in the United States, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you know, Capital One, you, you get the picture. It's all of these CEOs, it's all of these high-up executives, maybe not exactly the CEOs, but the ex high-up executives, and they all serve as uh, board governors, on the on the the Federal Reserve's boards. Now, there are multiple Federal Reserve boards, you know, and there there are multiple Federal Reserve locations. There's like the Federal Reserve of St. Louis, of Dallas, you know. So there's multiples of them, but basically, it's a big banking cartel. It's a private institution. That doesn't mean that they don't cave in to political pressures. And if you were to bring them under political control, government control. See, this is what a lot of people think. A lot of people accept the fact that the Federal Reserve is a private institution, not a government, despite the fact that it's, you know, not a government institution, despite its name. You know, and a lot of people think that the best way to stop the manipulation is to basically bring it under government control. Yeah, that would only increase it because the Federal Reserve already is heavily, I mean, they're consistently always influenced politically they always are they're always influenced politically so if you were to actually bring them under direct federal government control you would only make matters worse all right i mean the federal reserve is already has been heavily influenced by politics for decades now decades upon decades they've always been that way Ever since inception, they've always had politicians, the federal government putting pressure on them in order to do th shady things that 
would be illegal out in outside of the you know the realm of government if you did the things that the federal reserve did and you did those things in the private sector you would go to jail seriously you would but then again that's the case for a lot of things that the government ends up doing social security nothing but a big ponzi scheme bernie madoff went to jail because of his ponzi scheme and yet the government does it day in and day out with social security and uh, it's legal for them to do it it's illegal for people like bernie madoff to do it now i think it should be illegal for everybody it's a horrible thing to do it's first and foremost it's a lie and if you don't know what her, what who Bernie Madoff is and what he did, seriously, you need to go look it up. It's, you know, basically what he did is he encouraged, he got people to invest in his fund, I suppose, his investment fund. And he promised a certain rate of return. So what he would do is that he would give the 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 older, more senior investors returns, but the returns came from the deposits of the newer investors. And he was able to give a fairly decent return to you if you were one of the first people who got in. But he wasn't investing in the stock market. He wasn't investing in the bond market. He was just redeploying people's investments. So this trick worked as long as you had people constantly giving you money, right? But the minute the money runs out you're screwed and that's exactly what happened the minute it runs out you're screwed and that and i don't know i think what happened is that it came out what bernie madoff was doing and then people stopped investing with him and then you know the he got arrested and stuff of that nature but i think that's i think that's what happened but that is generally speaking the idea of what he did well how is that any different from social security it's not. It's the same freaking thing. Social Security is the same thing. You know, you're old, you pay into Social Security all your life you because you're working like a dog for somebody else, making that person rich. And over time, you know, you eventually get old and you start to draw money from it. But where's the money coming from? Oh, yeah, a bunch of other newer investors or a bunch of other younger people who are now working it's a ponzi scheme it is exactly what bernie madoff was doing or very very similar if you if you want to be the wise guy you know who comes to me and say oh matthew you know no it's not similar at all they're completely different you know you don't understand anything you don't understand social security you don't understand what bernie madoff was doing and second of all it may not be exactly the same, but it's pretty freaking similar. It's similar enough to where if what Bernie Madoff was doing was considered illegal, then how can you possibly claim that Social Security is not illegal? But anyways, we are getting off on, on a, a long tangent there. That is a great topic for another time. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and write that down so that I know to go over that again, because I say this all the time, right? I always say, oh, that's a great topic. I want to, we'll, we'll go over that another time. And in reality, I end up totally forgetting uh, to actually go over it. You know, I end up forgetting. So we actually never end up going over stuff. And so I, I like to, I'm starting to write these topics down so that I can actually remember them. Anyways, Let's go ahead and continue on into this 
into this topic of why the rich get rich and the poor get poor. Because I think this is very, very important for most, for everyone to understand. Why does this continue to happen? So one of the reasons that I tell you that you need to look at the Federal Reserve is because the Federal Reserve is constantly manipulating the, the money supply, right? The monetary supply, the currency. They are constantly, you know, buying up assets in the stock market. They are constantly buying up the treasury bonds and bills from the treasury department. They're, they're engaged in quantitative easing where they're just taking different assets like bonds and, and stocks and stuff like that onto their balance sheet and they're just holding them there. They're manipulating interest rates, which encourages and incentivizes people to consume through debt more, which drives the price up of everything. And basically, they're increasing monetary inflation, which is thereby also increasing price inflation. So what exactly happens is that the rich have money to invest in the stock market. The rich own very, very large businesses that have stock options. They make a lot of money with regards to assets, you know, the assets that they sell like iPhones, iPads, or uh, just desktops, TVs, you know, tables, whatever. These assets constantly rise with inflation. And everybody else who doesn't own those types of products, everybody else who's not a business owner, who doesn't have a lot of money to invest in real estate, the stock market, the bond market, you know, you guys are working a normal nine to five job, but you don't really, con you don't control the source of your income. You don't control an asset that, that whereby you can control the price of. So as inflation continues to rise, the wealthy's stocks continue to go up. The real estate's values continue to go up. You know, everyday consumer items continue to go up. Although I will say the Fed has been able, for the most part, to keep a big amount of inflation out of the consumer market. And they've done this uh, by more or less by injecting it in the stock market and the bond market. And the money does eventually trickle down to the consumer market. But for the most part, it hasn't been trickling down, you know, if you or it's, you know, trickle down economics or whatever. It's not, it's really just, it's a term that was coined by politicians to basically show how if you give businesses more money, they will reinvest that in their companies and they will create more jobs and higher wages for the people, for, for, for their employees. And while this can happen, for a long time, it has not been happening. It, it just hasn't. You know, to, to assume that this is something that's going to happen all the time is rather foolish. It's something that can happen. And sure, the money eventually does trickle down to the everyday person. But by the time that money does trickle down to you, it's not, it's not worth anything. The, or it's, it's seriously been hit by inflation, by price and by monetary inflation, price inflation. And it, you, by the time you get the new money, it doesn't really matter. So what tends to happen is, you know, the richer investing in the stock market, stuff of that nature. Corporations that are so big, they're, they're very rich that end up controlling the corporations and end up owning these corporations. They are so large that when they experience any kind of trouble, the government basically bails them out. 
So like the Federal Reserve is doing right now, the Federal Reserve is buying big corporate bonds, junk bonds, you know, but just normal bonds and ETFs. Well, who benefits from that? Big corporations do. The, you know, people that are managing the exchange trade, who own those exchange traded funds, the ETFs, people who are, are managing those, those people do too. So you have all these people who are benefiting off of this and what they're effectively doing is they're taking all of that money and they are reinvesting it in their companies by basically doing stock buybacks. This is one of the reasons that, so what I meant when I'm saying, when I said the trickle down economics doesn't really happen a whole lot anymore. It does happen. It just doesn't happen in the way that a lot of people think about it. Businesses that receive money, whether it's through money that there's, that they have saved because they don't have to pay in taxes anymore, or whether it's money that they have received in stimulus checks or things of that nature to keep their employees, uh, employed. You know, basically a jobs program at that point. It's not even free. It's, it's nowhere near free market. I'll tell you that. You know, th- these types of programs that do this, you know, ideally you would, you would think, you know, when it comes to big corporations, okay, I'm not talking about small business owners who don't have stocks in the stock market. So, you, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about big corporations, right? And I'm not trying to say they're evil. Any one of us would do the same thing or very similar given the same kind of situation. But here is how a lot of this works. The company gets the money. And what I mean by the fact that the trickle-down economic thing doesn't really happen, well, a lot of people think that if the government gives them money or if they get tax breaks and they'll reinvest that in their business, well, they do. But it doesn't always come out in higher wages and more jobs. This is what doesn't always happen. It's not that the money isn't reinvested. It's the fact that the money doesn't always show up in the pockets of the employees anymore. Okay. And, and I'm not entirely sure it always did. So what generally happens is that they end up putting it back in their stock, their company, and they end up buying their stocks back to increase the value of the company on the stock market, which ends up putting money into the investors pockets. This is exactly what happened in the bond market right now in 2020. The Federal Reserve came out and said they were going to buy ETFs that had bonds. They were going to buy junk bonds. They were going to directly buy bonds. And guess what happened? A lot of companies started issuing debt. Apple themselves, I think, issued somewhere like $8 billion of debt or something of that nature. And guess what? The Federal Reserve bought it all up. Tons of people did. Investors flooded into the bond market the minute they heard that this was going to happen and then the federal reserve flooded in too and this is how it works whose money is the federal reserve playing with do you think it's their own no it's the taxpayer dollars it's us everyday citizens taxpayer dollars that's where that money is coming from so you've got these big corporations that are too big to fail quote-unquote and they end up Getting into them, getting into some pretty bad situations, they end up uh, facing the risks of going under. And the government, in order to help maintain this company that in the free market should have died because they were inefficient, they should have died to competition, like any normal company has to deal with, like any normal company has to do. But instead, because they employ thousands upon thousands upon thousands of employees, 
the government doesn't want that type of political pressure on their campaigns. It doesn't make it doesn't look good on the press. It doesn't look good at all. I mean, under the Obama administration, the government gave money to General Motors. General Motors was facing bankruptcy and they were about to go under. I mean, this is the second time this has happened. General Motors has had another incident in its past where they had to get bailed out by government money. Now, what happened the first time around was that government gave them money and that they supposedly pay that money back. I would really like to see whether that actually happened. I'd like to see the how much money they were actually given and whether they actually paid it back in full. But let's assume that they did. Okay, let's assume that they did pay back. This was also, I think, the situation in, in this case, too. They were given an amount of money. They're supposed to be paying the money back. Um, I don't know. I think they – I'm not entirely sure if they did end up paying the money back, but it doesn't matter. That money is not the government's to be lending out. That money is taxpayer dollars. And when you take money from everyone else to give to a small group of individuals, everybody else suffers as a result of it. But this is what happens when the government gives companies money, corporations money, whether it's through the form of debt, whether it's through the form of tax breaks, whether it's through the form of buying the company's debt, which basically makes the companies flush with cash, whatever it is, the money doesn't go into new jobs. Corporations are not expanding. They're not expanding. They're not hiring, not hiring the really nice pay jobs that everybody needs. What they're doing is they're putting the money back into the, the stock. They're buying their own stock back. They're, ta- they're reducing the supply of stock that's available on the market. They're boosting the stock prices, and they're basically lining the pockets of the investors. That's what they're doing. Why is it that the poor get poor? Because the poor don't have stocks. Maybe you've got a 401k. Okay, maybe you you're you work in corporate America and you've got some 401k line around and you're what many would consider middle class. Okay, so you have some 401k's, you have some bonds and some stocks. You don't have enough to really be considered a wealthy person. Wealthy people have a lot of this stuff. They've got a lot of stocks, a lot of bonds. So much so that they can live off of it. And when the stock market goes up or whether the government holds interest rates lower and it spurs on real estate values and they've got real estate property or if they're a big CEO that works for some major corporation and they get, that they are given taxpayer dollars. So they put more money into their, their stocks. They buy back their stocks and then more investors flood into the stock that flushes them with more cash. They get some nice bonuses. This is how it works. And then when you consider all of this, the Federal Reserve is also doing inflation. The Federal Reserve is increasing the monetary supply artificially, keeping interest rates lower, which is increasing price inflation on the market, making it so much more expensive for average day people to survive. Whether you are poor or not, whether you are low income, whether you are middle class, lower class, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It makes it harder for everyone to survive. That's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. 
That's the freaking truth. It makes it harder for everyone to survive, for everyone to live a great and wonderful life because everything is so much more expensive. Oh, and do you think that the government is not benefiting off of this? They've benefited off of it heavily. Heavily. Corporate, I mean, local governments get higher taxes because of real estate values and higher incomes, assuming that they have the rich and the wealthy people that live there. Every, you know, in Texas, we don't have an income tax. We have for Texas, we have one uh, on the federal level like everybody else does, but there's no income tax for Texas. We have real estate taxes. But do you really think that the real estate taxes are lower? No, the real estate taxes are actually higher than most average states that have the income taxes because they're getting their money through, they're splitting where they're getting their money through income taxes and real estate tax. All that money comes out of real estate now in Texas. And it has been, and it's been doing that for, I don't know, a long time, ever since I can remember. And, um, yeah. It's not a good thing. I mean, it, you know, I mean, the, the, the higher and higher the value real estate goes up, the more and more it costs you, the more and more taxes you have to pay, whether your income went up or not. And by the time that the average person gets the money, all this printed money, by the time the average person gets any of this money, the inflation has already occurred and they're worse off than they were before the money was created. That's the truth. You're worse off. You are. Your wages are lagging behind price inflation. I'm going to tell you that right now. Your wages are not growing at the same rate of price inflation. Price inflation is growing significantly faster than how much you're getting paid. If you were making $80,000 in 2008 and you're making $80,000 today, I'm really, really sorry to have to tell you this, but you're making less money. $80,000 today is not as much, it doesn't buy as much as $80,000 did, you know, 10 years ago. And that in 2008, it was actually more than 10 years in our, in our case, by like two. <laughs> it was like 12 years ago. Guys, that's why the rich get rich and the poor get poor. It's all, the system is pretty much all geared to benefit the rich and the wealthy. This is why I tell tell you that you have to become financially free, that you have to control the source of your income and you have to become wealthy. It's not be out of greed. It's not because I'm a greedy person. It's not because you're a greedy person. It's not because of material items like fancy cars and fancy houses. Granted, those are that's icing on the cake, but that's not why we're doing this. You need to become financially free you need to control the source of your income and become wealthy so that when price inflation rises, you can raise the price of your courses and your products. You know, that's why. You can control your life better. You can protect yourself and your family against this kind of stuff. You know, you can have money in the stock market for when the stock market goes up. You can be invested in those companies that are do, that are taking government taxpayer dollars and flooding them into the bond market and flooding them into companies. You can be a stockholder and receive the benefits of that. You know, you can own real estate and receive the benefits of that low interest rates are, have caused. 
you can do, you can be a part of that. You can take advantage of it. Now, before you want to come at me and say that's so unethical, Matthew, how dare you say that we should be engaging in this kind of manipulation? We need to stop this manipulation. And if you engage in it, you are just as guilty. You are a horrible person. You are just as guilty for making the poor poorer. And you're guilty of all kinds of crimes. You're a terrible person. Okay, first and foremost, calm down because you're crazy. Second of all, Look, the stuff is going to happen whether you like it or not. It's that that it's going to happen. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. There's no amount of politics. You get in politics, you start grassroots movement, you try to you know, first and foremost, if you start drawing people's attention to this, you could get attacked heavily. Heck, silenced for that matter. There are people out there that would refuse to admit that this is even a problem. But let me tell you this, it's happening and there's nothing you can do about it. No amount of politics is going to change it because politics is the very thing that's causing it. It doesn't matter what kind of political system you have. The system will always be set up to benefit the wealthy and not the poor. The system is not always going to be set up to enslave the poor for the sake of the of the wealthy, but that historically has happened many times. I mean, you know, history it doesn't exactly show us that the poor are are treated well. And and most times, I mean, history shows us that the poor the system is built around the poor being slaves or the the, the poor not being benefited at all. In any which way, shape, or form. Now, I'm not trying. Now, the only way, the only thing that can solve the poor's problem is they need to take self responsibility, admit that the problem is really their fault. Okay? Sure, there are things that are working against them. There are things that are working against everybody, most people. Okay? That is absolutely the case. But the answer is not to go to politics, the answer is not to blame the system for your lack of performance or the or the fact that you don't have the life that you want to live you know the the that's not the solution the solution is that you need to get out there and take responsibility stop being a lazy bum learn a skill that's more valuable and either become a business owner and control the source of your income or at least invest in a skill that's more highly valued than the ones that you currently have that's a big problem today is that so many people have very, you know, low skills. And those people who have those low skills, they can't get paid enough. So the way to fix that is to go out and get a higher skill so that you can get paid more money. That's assuming you don't want to control the source of your income. But again, even if you do that, you also need to make yourself so valuable that the company could never, ever afford to lay you off or fire you. Because if they did, the company would go under. That, But even then, you'd still be better off by becoming financially free and controlling the source of your income. You still would. Your wages are still going to lag behind infl- uh, price inflation and monetary inflation. Your wages are not going to keep up pace. The only way to keep pace is to own assets. The only way to keep pace is to control the source of your income, be able to control the price that you are charging for your products or services. The only way is to, you know, also become a trader. You can become a trader and you can generate a very nice return that is, well, 
this this is what I've been told. This is what I believe, and this is what I've heard from many traders. That, and assuming all of this is true, and I haven't been you know hoodwinked, which I don't believe that I have. You could become a trader, and you can return make a very very nice return that is far and above anything you would be able to make by simply investing in the markets. Now that's not an income claim, okay? That's just based off of what I've researched based off of what I've been told by my mentors, based off of people that I've seen who have done this themselves, they have been able to make a very, very nice return for themselves. Okay. I've actually done a little bit of that. You know, I mean, like, um, I've, well, I'm not going to get into that. I, I have had a very nice, I have create generated a nice return for myself in the past, but it was off such a low amount of money that it doesn't really matter. But if that, if you had applied that same kind of return to a much larger amount of money, it would mean a whole lot. But anyways, that being said, guys, this is how this happens. The rich get rich and the poor get poor because of inflation, because of price inflation, because of monetary inflation. And monetary inflation causes price inflation. Okay? You know, this is why the rich get rich and the poor get poor. The big corporations use the arm of government to take to steal the money from everybody else. The, the the government steals the money from everybody else, and then they give that to big corporations, and they give that to people who are too big to fail, right? They start reinvesting that money in the stock market. They start using that and redeploying that money to benefit the rich and the wealthy at the expense of everybody else. I'm not trying to say that the rich or all rich people are evil. I'm not trying to say that because that's not true. All rich people are not evil. And even if the rich person was to take the money that the government was giving them, am I saying that they are evil? No, I'm not. It's wrong for the government to steal the money. That's the problem, not the rich doing it. I mean, if you guys are coming from a left-wing perspective, if you're coming from that kind of perspective, get it out of your head. That it's the rich and the wealthy that are causing these problems and that if you took away the rich and the wealthy, they wouldn't abuse government. It's not the government's fault. It's the rich and the wealthy's fault. No, it's the government's fault. The problem is the government, not the rich and the wealthy. The rich and the wealthy are only acting on their own self-interest. The government is only acting on its own self-interest, but the government can only give benefits by taking away from other people because the government doesn't produce anything of its on its own. It can only take. It can only steal. The government steals from everybody else and then gives it to the people that benefit it. It gives it to big corporations. It gives them to, you know, someone that's going to vote for them or someone that's going to donate a massive amount of money to their campaigns. This is how the government subverts taxes in many cases. They take taxpayer dollars and then they give them to corporations uh, for like contract jobs, construction, you see this in construction all the time. And this is how the money finds its way tax-free into the politician's hands. They give the job to the highest bidder. The highest bidder also promised a massive amount of money to the campaigns. Those campaign dollars don't have taxes associated to them. So therefore, the government has discovered ways on how to subvert taxes. It's the government, not the rich and the wealthy that are the problem. The government need, if the government didn't have its power, the rich and the wealthy wouldn't be able to do this. Now, you're probably wondering, Matthew, what's the solution? 
right? We always want solutions to our problems. Here, This is the unfortunate part. There is no solution to fix this problem when it comes to politics. You can't fix this politically. If you think you're going to fix this by going to the voting box and wasting your time voting, you're fooling yourself. You really are. You cannot fix this by voting. This is an unfixable problem. The only way that you can get around this is to become rich and wealthy and financially free yourself, to be co- to control the source of your own income so that you can become so wealthy and make so much money that you can avoid all of this, that you can not only avoid it, you can actually benefit off of it. The government today taxes income, not wealth, right? The government doesn't tax wealth. The government taxes income. So you need to become wealthy. You need to generate a lot of wealth because by doing that, the wealth is in the assets. The wealth is in the time that it provides you. The wealth is what generates you cash flow. It's the asset. And the asset is not taxed. The sale of the asset can be taxed, sure. But the asset itself is not taxed. You're not taxed for owning the asset. You're taxed for income. If you were to create a limited liability corporation, an LLC, you're, and you were to pay yourself an income, you can actually set your business up to where you can make a ton of money and it could be classified, I don't know, as a dividend payment or something, but not an income. And then it would get taxed lower than, than it would be, than would be at the income level. So anyways, that's a bit of an introduction into another topic that I'm going to have to write down. The government doesn't tax wealth, it taxes income. But this is a very, very important topic. You know, I'm really sorry for those of you guys that this, you know, is a huge shocker to you. I mean, I know you're not taught this in school, you know, and I, and I know that a lot of this is probably very new stuff and I hope I described it well for y'all, but you know, it, it, it it's not a positive thing, right? But I'm going to be completely honest with you in spite of how this is not what we would consider to be a positive thing. There are always ways to get around it, but it takes a lot of work. Okay. And it requires that you guys be willing to do things that nobody else is willing to do. And I'm not talking about unethical things. I'm talking about be willing to work on the weekends when people aren't willing to work on the weekends. Be willing to come home from your, your nine to five and work on your business. But you'll be willing to work at night when you really just want to rest. These are things that you have to do if you want to become wealthy, if you want to get out of this rat race, for lack of a better term. This is how you do it. You become financially free by controlling the source of your income. You control the asset, whether it's an information course, whether it's a subscription service, whatever it is, you control, you know, whether it's a product that you, you buy and you sell to people, whatever it is, you control the asset so you can control the price that you sell. This is the best way to become financially free. It's the only way. This is how you control the source of your income. If you're not, if you don't want to do that and you want to be a trader like myself, that would also be a way of you controlling the source of your income because you create the strategy and the strategy now create generates the cash flow. You have to trade the strategy, but it's the strategy that's the asset. And if you have five or six or 10 different strategies, then you've got 10 assets. 
right? So, and you can even automate those assets. And then you can, there are even uh, financial firms out there that you can even lease those assets to. Not only can you use them yourself, but you can also lease them to other people. And then they can, you know, make money with your assets. And as your assets makes them money through returns, they'll pay you a small commission fee for it. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's a win-win situation, right? As long as you're as long as your strategy is actually profitable. But anyways, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. But hey, let me talk about a few affiliate programs that we've got going on here. If you guys want to support the show, this is an absolute wonderful way of doing it. We've got Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is the number one place to go and learn a new skill. It's very, very cheap. You know, it's like $100 for a whole year. And I believe that when you sign up, they give you two months for free. And this is something that they've done consistently. I've got Skillshare. I've loved it. I've learned so much from doing Skillshare. I mean, web design, email marketing. They've, I'm pretty sure they've even got stuff on there with regards to trading. They got everything, man. They've got tons of stuff. And if you want to become wealthy, if you want to try to protect your job, you don't want to become financially free, then you need to increase your skill set. If you want to become financially free, again, you need to increase your skill set. Either way, you need to learn a better skill than what you have. One of the greatest ways to do that is Skillshare. So go to Skillshare, go check them out. Also, if you want to check out trading, go to tier one trading. All right, I'll, I'll put the links of all of this stuff in the description below. Tier one trading, guys, is the number one place to learn where to trade. You know, Akil Stokes and Jason Greystone and Charles and Darren, guys, these guys are amazing. They're the ones who helped me in my journey, and they're still helping me today. Anytime I got questions, I ask them. They're amazing. You know, these guys are going to teach you the skill of trading. They're not just going to teach you a, a trading strategy. You know, I'm going to tell you a really quick story here. When I was first learning how to trade, and you know, I'm kind of more in the later stages of my trading journey. You know, I'm getting ready to being able to trade, you know, to actually trade full time at this point, or at least to trade on a consistent basis. You know, once my strategies are finally back tested and everything, I'll start to trade with, you know, more with live money. And you guys know I've traded with live money before, but this is going to be the first time with a back tested strategy. And, you know, I saw many people who took courses where they were taught a particular strategy and things of that nature, and but they didn't really backtest the strategy, and it ended horribly for them. They ended up blowing up their account. They ended up not doing very well at all, and they determined that, oh, well, I just can't do this or whatever. And you guys, look, first and foremost, they didn't do it right. Second of all, these guys at Tier 1 Trading, they're not just going to teach you a, a, a strategy. They're going to teach you the skill and the art of trading. They're going to teach you how to read price charts. They're going to teach you how to understand market movement. They're going to teach you how to predict markets, the market movement, how to predict price action. They're going to teach you a lot of strategies too, a lot of patterns that you can look for. And then they're going to teach you how to craft a trading strategy around the patterns that you like the most. They're going to teach you money management and a whole, which is really the bread and butter of any trader. Because once you've, you've determined that your strategy is, has a positive expectancy and you start trading money, you need a way to exponentially grow the money. And the best way to do that is by managing your money. Okay. This stuff is amazing. Seriously. 
you need to go check them out. If you're interested in trading at all, go check them out. You will not be disappointed. That being said, also, go check out my YouTube channel at Matthew Spazzitti. That if you got a lot, if you want a lot of free trading content, I post a ton of free trading content over there. It's going to be a massive library of trading and entrepreneurial content, guys. If you're interested in any of that, go check that out. Like and subscribe. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Like the, ch- the video, subscribe to the channel. And uh, yeah, if you're on iTunes, leave a review, and don't forget to check out the website at newmillenniumwealth.com. Last, but certainly not least, if you like this, if you like what I'm doing here, please share it with a friend. Go share it with three people. Share it with a person that you think is going to love it, someone you're really not sure about, and someone you think is probably not going to like it. Or just share it with three people that you think are going to like it. Either way, just go share it. Just go share it. Get the message of financial freedom out there. The way you fix your problems is by focusing on yourself, increasing your skills, and not focusing on politics. That's how we fix our problems. It's not through politics. It's through us. And that's an empowering message because that means that we have a direct control over it. Unlike politics where you just go to the voting box and you you hope and pray and cross your fingers. And if you don't get elected, then, oh, or if the guy doesn't get elected that you wanted to get elected or a girl, you know, you cry and you weep and you think the world's coming to an end. Yeah. Hey, we don't, we, we don't waste our time with that kind of stuff here. That's what the poor do. That's not what the rich and wealthy. That's not what the truly educated do. Well, guys, if you will do all that for me, I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great day. 